Hello everyone and welcome to the Frogcast. Hopefully you enjoyed the fight song that was the intro. We're so glad to have our producer Daniel Southern back. He has been on hiatus and I hope that this episode is not only quality content, but it is quality production. Jeremy, the Horn Frogs win 41 to 31, making their trip to Morgantown. First win in Morgantown since 2014 when Jaden Obercrome iced the game on a long field goal to keep the Horn Frogs playoff li- uh, dreams alive, even though they died at the end of the season. Man, uh, what, what, what's, your, what's your immediate emotional reaction after the Frogs win 41 to 31 in Morgantown? 200 bucks. I'm just kidding. I didn't. <laughs> Oh, no, did you pick the frogs not cover? Uh, no, I mean I was really happy. I, I didn't I, either. That was a that was a really tough win for them. And anytime you go up to Morgantown and you get a win, especially for TCU, that's always big. I don't care if they would have won by one. Just win by one. That's it. No, <laughs> you like the late touchdown one. to go up by ten to make it look better. But you know, just another resilient effort by those guys. I mean, we it's the same thing we've watched the last three weeks, but. It's great to get a win in West Virginia. That was a uh, that was the game that I was really concerned with. Um, just going up there in the history they've had, uh, trying to be successful up there wasn't too high. So always great to get a win up there. You know, it. I think it's fun that we finally have a trap game because you have to be good to be playing a trap game. So it's the first trap game since 2017 when the Frogs lost on the road at Iowa State. We've talked a lot about slow starts, which I think is almost a cheap cop-out to assess the way the team has played in the last several weeks. The Frogs, people might have said they had a slow start, but they were up 28-21 at halftime. How did you feel at the end of halftime, especially, let's go back to that last drive where the Frogs go up 28-21. Amani Bailey um, pounds it in from a distance. I think it was 30-yard touchdown run for the Frogs to take the lead at halftime. But when the Frogs are on that last drive, there's two things that I had in mind. One, um, previous regimes, and that's the only way I'm going to put it, might have n- n- taken a knee or at least tried to run the clock out. Sonny Dykes attacks. What did you think about the way that Dykes was a- and-, and Lincoln Riley were attacking there at the end of the half? I mean, I love it. Uh, let out. me clarify real quick. When I say start slow, I meant more on defense. Um, I think anyone can admit that we're still seeing them start really slow on defense and having struggles early on. But Man, I love it. I made a joke on the on the game thread during the game that doesn't Sonny Dykes know those three timeouts carry over to the second half? I mean, I mean, <laughs> GB has them stored up somewhere in Fort Worth. I mean, they're they're stockpiled. I know he's got forty seven timeouts. <laughs> exactly, and he's going to be able to cash exactly in with right, his IRA. No, I love that mentality, man. I, I and I've said it before. They did it again against uh, another opponent earlier this year where they had just barely over a minute remaining and they wanted to go down and score. And I think that was against oh, that's right. Gunnar Henderson that, that right, right down the field for a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, you've got to love that yeah. mentality because what it says is we have a great offense and you guys aren't going to be able to stop us. There's just too many weapons for them to choose from in that in that moment. I mean, this this offense is – I'm going to say it again. I've said it all along they can score against anyone in the nation. Uh, I I don't think they would have trouble doing that at all. But, yeah, I love that mentality that Sonny has. And it's just another thing. What what do we talk about all all year long? Here's another thing that we do opposite. We're going to do – we're going to do what what was opposite. Because I guarantee you, without a doubt in my mind, that game is 21-21 at halftime uh, under Gary. I'm I'm reaching into my drawer right now and pulling out this sheet of paper of everything that is the opposite. It's George Costanza, as someone else has said. I think it was Grant McGalliard that it's the opposite day with with Sonny Dykes. It's it's just whatever Gary did, we're going to do the absolute opposite. And um, attacking there at the end of the at the end of the half is 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 absolutely what we would not have done for the previous not just four years but five or six years. So. I thought that was that was a good way to close out the half. You mentioned a slow start. Right. It was not a slow start on offense. It was a slow start on defense. What what is what is in the water for the frogs to be giving up so many points? I don't know, man. It's it's kind of crazy to me. And it's not really just the uh points. It's the giving up long plays, giving up long third down conversions. It's I really don't know. I, I, I can't I can't put my finger on 
how this team is so different in one half of football. You know, they they completely go out, don't play well at all in the first half in the last three weeks, and then the second half, what is it? They've they've allowed what nine points now, or or twelve points total, something crazy in the last three games. I think that's what it is. Nothing against Kansas State. A touchdown. Well, what what was it? Twenty three. Yeah, I think they give up a touchdown and then the overtime against Oklahoma State, and then ten points in yeah, the second it's, half. It's, against it's something West crazy Virginia. that they they've made really good adjustments, and and really even that touchdown was late in the game for them for West Virginia. Um, from, you know, from, from Mm -hmm. every indication, there's, there is something being said. There's something that's, it's like me trying to teach Brody algebra problems or, you know, go over it a hundred times. And then finally, (laughs) you know, we gone through it 99 times, a hundred times he understands it. So it's, it's mind boggling, man. That's, that's the one thing I can't put my finger on why this defense starts so slow. If they're, if they're playing tied, if they're if they're just not, I know they're getting calls early because they don't look confused. They don't look, they're not looking to the sideline when the other teams are running plays, uh, or right before teams are running plays. So, and I really don't think we've asked that question. I know people keep asking, "Hey, can y'all ask Sonny Dykes or Gillespie?" We've asked that question, and it's generic football talk. There's there's no any particular reason. I think if you look at it, maybe some busted coverages, maybe. Missed assignments, guy maybe doing his his job or trying to do someone else's job. There's there's lapses somewhere in that defense to be given up third and long plays like they are uh, so far this season and especially in the last three weeks. Well, especially in, in the you know in the first half as well as the second half. Let's let's kind of celebrate what went what went right here. You know, we're thinking about how Kendra Miller really closed out in, in the it, uh, at the end of the of the half. There, he runs for he has twelve rushes for one hundred and twenty yards. That's ten yards a carry. Obviously, we mentioned Amani Bailey with one freaking carry in the game, and he goes for thirty yards. How did you feel about the run game, especially Kendra Miller with those big shoulders, twelve? 12 rushes for 120 yards and a touchdown. What, what, what's oh, your what, what do you think about 12 carries? Yeah. I think that needs to be 22 and not 12. Uh, we, I, I've got a bullet point here. Let's just dig into it now, man. What what you think about uh, uh, Garrett Riley's play calling? Especially uh, I figured we're going to have our own drive little segment for court. that one. Uh, yeah. Well – Let's let's just first, get to the good stuff. That's all people all, want to hear about. I don't think it was enough parents. carries for Kendra. I agree with you. Um, I I I like right. I agree, and, and yeah, I like to see. That's got to be twenty. I like to game. see a minimum. Say kind of in the same ballpark as you, Jeff. Eighteen to twenty-two carries, and now now Sonny said he's banged up a little bit, and he was trying to say. Yeah, him. I mean, he, I mean, obviously he, they're going to run him more, especially late that? in the game when. You know, they were down by the goal line and everyone's wondering where Kendra was and Amani's trying like crazy. And um, West Virginia was doing a good job selling out, trying to stop the run game. I think that's what they really want to do. They really wanted to see if Max can beat them through the air. And, you know, other than other than that 51-yard carry and that 30-yard carry by Amani, they did a pretty good job of slowing down the run for TCU. Um, but, man, what – those two runs, I mean, I don't think – I know for a fact Kendra didn't even get touched on his. Um, and I don't think Imani – Imani barely got touched. Mm-hmm. But going to the uh, the fourth quarter, when they had all – all they needed to do was run out, the, run out the clock and everyone's begging to run the football. I uh, – I don't know how to, I don't know what to think about it. I, I know in one hand that yes, I agree. We they they should be running the football. They gotta they gotta run down that clock, get a first down, start making West Virginia use their timeouts. For them to throw the football three times and only waste fifteen seconds off the clock, I was thinking, man, is this the game that they're they're gonna fall apart? Is this is this where it all comes to an end because of bad clock management? On the flip side, I could see where Garrett's going because they are selling out to stop the run and maybe they were going to try to surprise them and hit something over the middle. Uh, I didn't particularly like the play calling on that. Not, not just the, uh, 
not just the pass, you know, calling passes. It was just the the routes that they were running. I didn't I didn't like that at all. It just just didn't seem like high percentage plays. But you know, your team still scores forty one. Mm-hmm. You're averaging over forty points a game. Your your offense is still tre- just so much tremendously better than what it was last year. So he was bound to have a a, a lapse, maybe not even a lapse in judgment, but just a, he was bound to have a bad moment. At some point, we're eight games into the season. He's been really good so far. Um, but I I was kind of scratching my head on that one, too, wondering what in the heck is going on? What are they doing? And why aren't they just running the ball? But I – and that's another thing. Max could have been banged up, too, so maybe they didn't what, want what do you Max running of, the ball at all at that in that part either. What do you think of the jet sweep where we designed to dribble it on the turf for a couple of I don't like that play at all. Uh, I, I don't like that play at all either in the red zone. Why that that was the only you know, we complained about, you know, passes that, that kill the clock and they're not high percentage passes and you don't like the routes. That was a play that I think that that's the second cousin that's a shirt tail cousin as we call yeah, I mean, it in that's, Iowa of the that's of a play where if you ball. can perfect it and get all the timing down. It's a great play to run. Um, obviously, the cadence was slow or QJ was too fast getting across on the sweep. We ran that play in Pee Wee where to, to where we had the center because the centers are actually still looking at quarterback in Pee Wee. We said, all right, when you see those footsteps, you snap the ball. We're going to trick them all. And about three fumbles later, we decided to stop running that play because it was the mm-hmm. exact same thing that happened with with Quinn, but I don't. I, I like the play as long as the timing is there. But the timing obviously wasn't there. If Quentin's getting hit with the ball, it, either Alon was too early with the snap, Quentin was too fast in his in his motion, or Max just called for the ball way too early. Everything went wrong in that play except the fact that it bounced right up into Quentin's arms and he was able to try to run the run the ball into the end zone. But yeah, I. That's another particular set of play calls I did not like in that series because it was they were so close. Well, a lot of the message board geniuses have this comment that it shouldn't be QJ that's running that, um, essentially a jet sweep, but it should be Darius Davis. Do Do you think that we have the well? Right I mean, obviously, Quinn's not as fast on as, that play call as Darius. But he makes plays on he he can make some good plays on that on that sweep. Um, he typically doesn't go down with the first tackle, and he runs hard. I, I don't mind it at all with him being back there to get any way you get the ball in his hands. I'm I'm for it. But if it's if it's a play that's designed to go more on the perimeter, I would say mm-hmm. the one that he got tackled for a seven yard loss. Um, I think it was on that third down play. On third and goal, and he got tackled for about a seven-yard loss. Now that yes. particular play, I would I would like to see Darius run that ball more because here's the thing: after a while, people are going to start honing in on Quentin. They know he's going to get the ball in some sort of fashion, and they're just going to start spying him and go. Especially when there's when he's motioning across like that, they're not going to worry about anything. I wouldn't be surprised if some point this year they run some type of jet sweep to Quentin and he. Uh, stands up and throws it over the top. You know, just they're. Se- I think they're setting it up somehow. Oh, they're setting that up, and it's going to be Jared Wiley that's going to do a cut block, get up, roll away yeah. from the block that yeah, he made, and that. be standing alone in the end zone. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I could see that too. Well, we can't go another game without talking about Max Duggan. 341 yards through the air. He, throw, he does throw his second interception of the season, but that's only two interceptions on the season. All right, what what is more likely, that Max Duggan is the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year and first-team conference quarterback, or that he is the last man mm. invited to the Heisman Trophy celebration yeah, in New York? I, I, I think yeah, a lot more people are talking about him in that – they're whispering more Heisman talk. There ain't no – he's putting up good numbers. You know, for for him, it's it's a win-win situation. I, I think he's – it would take someone to have an incredible last four games of the season for him not to be the Big 12 player of the year. Just the way he's led 
led TCU. His two interceptions, too, I was mm-hmm. talking about it today. They're on 50-50 balls. I mean, one's up to Quentin, and, and the other one was to Jared Wiley, and he's falling backwards. But it wasn't one of those interceptions where he's throwing over the middle and doesn't see the linebacker or doesn't see the safety that's just waiting for him to throw it, and they and they bait him into it. Those those are those are passes that he's letting his receivers go yeah. up and try to make. But I think for publicity and 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 for TCU overall, I think it would be really really cool to see him be at the Heisman ceremony be a top three guy because here's the thing uh, again I, I think he's pretty much mm-hmm. he has it, it it's not a hundred percent guarantee but I think there's about an 85 to 90 percent chance right now that he's gonna get those awards for the big 12 and the Heisman stuff man that would just be that would just be incredible that'd be incredible for him though I think he's a shoe in. I mean, aware that we have four, you know, hopefully five games left in the regular season. He, he's kind of a shoe. He's the front runner right now with with no one clearly in second place to be the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year and be the first team quarterback. It's not Spencer Sanders. It's not Martinez. It's definitely got Quinn Ewers. And and after that, the, the rest of the conference really falls off. So I think he's clearly the front runner for the Offensive Player of the Year and first team quarterback in the Big 12. You know, the Heisman race is not the best player. It's the best player on one of the three best teams. And who really has, who gets into that last weekend with an opportunity to prove a point. So if he gets into that last weekend in the Big 12 championship team, championship game is one of the top five or six teams in the country. And he he puts on a show that game. I mean, for better or for worse, yeah. that's how voters are swayed. That's how sports writers are swayed. So, and, and, and it's not like let's, Let's run a campaign for Max to win the Heisman. It's one. Let's run a campaign for Max to be able to get to the Heisman ceremony. And I'd say it's about a 50-50 shot of him making the yeah. Heisman and the ceremony, getting an invite at this point. Especially if the Frogs, um, you know, win out or in the regular season eleven and one, and then he wins the Big Twelve championship and puts him to twelve and one with a big game. You know, those two interceptions, that's that's a big number. You know, we celebrate all of his touchdowns, but only having two interceptions at this point is kind of miraculous. And I, I don't want to grade him on of what he's done the last three years because it's obviously a break in the program and a new a new system that he's working in that's obviously built to help him thrive. But I see Max I, I see Max yeah. as like a fifty. I mean, it, shot it, it is an invitation to New The York. trophy designed for the player that helps his team win the most. Like it, it, you look at it, how would TCU be without Max Duggan right now? We could say. <laughs> well, he's well, the backup. I mean, so it's we the same thing, like, know, right? you know, with uh, <laughs> Hendon at Tennessee, where would they be without him? So I think it's about what you do for your team. And, and without Max Duggan right now, playing at the level he's at, I, I really don't know if TCU's sitting at eight and zero right now. I don't know if, I mean, Chandler Morris goes out and put those type of numbers up. I don't know if Sam Jackson does. Um, but what I can tell you that he has 22 touchdowns, he has two interceptions. And I can't, you know, I, I said it earlier, I can't recall three times, five times, three times. I can't recall where he's thrown the ball right to a defender and the defender, defender drops a pass. Now, I know all the Max haters have it listed at home. They got it on their wall just like, you know, that guy and Billy Madison had all the guys he wanted to go up and take care of. Um, but yeah, yeah. Don't you remember late in the Billy game? Madison, the he calls the, he calls the guy and says, Hey man, yeah, yeah I'm uh, oh, yeah. sorry about bullying you. And he's like, no, no problem. And he, yeah. And then he crosses off. Yeah. So Cross we got the, the Max haters have all the list of the times where Max has almost thrown an interception this year. They've got it on a wall at home and, well, everyone that now we're not calling out anyone particular because of everything now, Jeff. Let's make that clear because you and I, you and I, have been getting picked on saying we're we're. Oh, I know, man. We got a bunch of whiners on our message board. Knock it off, guys. Grow yeah, up. Well, put your big boy pants we're, we're on and accept a little on, pushback. We're, we're picking on guys, but you're not once have we mentioned one guy. <laughs> you know what Snowflakes. they are? They're a bunch of snowflakes like that need to grow up. That's what I have to say. But that's the thing, you know, they don't, it's not like it was back when LT was running for Heisman. You're not going to see Max for Heisman bumper stickers. You're not going to see 
uh, billboards around Fort Worth. You know, the, the way things are nowadays. No, but you will. Yo, absolutely. But Mark Cohen will be doing you know, his he, job. Yeah, he's going to be putting out stuff. and I, That I believe. Um, I, I really, you know, with today's day and age of social media and everything else, they really don't have to pour in million do- millions of dollars to have a campaign and everything else. You got guys like Joel Klatt that are talking more about Max and Tom Luganville this morning. I was on his show and he was talking about Max being a Heisman mm-hmm. guy. And, you know, more national people are starting to yeah. talk about Max being a national guy. And guess what he has? He has this great story, Jeff. He's got this great story. Two years ago, we didn't even know if he was going to be playing mm-hmm. football still. And, you know, he gets he gets to a point where he's the backup this Never. year and then – um, he's not your typical backup with 29 starts before this year, year, but takes it so well that his that his head coach gets emotional over it, just how he how he handled the whole situation. So there's a lot of people that are rooting right now for Max uh, Joel Klatt. You know, there's probably not going to be a bigger fan in the stadium on Saturday than that guy. Um, even if you're wearing purple, there. I mean, this guy Joel Klatt loves no. him, and if Max goes out, it is Texas Tech. They they do give up a lot of points. Texas Tech's going to be up for this game. Let's not fool ourselves. They're going to there's going to be a lot of red in the stadiums, and they're going to go on their message boards and say that they had sixty percent of the fan base there and this and that, whatever. But I'll promise you, if if Max goes All out and has like another Cactus successful game, another two eighty to three twenty type game with two or three touchdowns, the the talk about him is just going to keep increasing. It's going to increase week to week, and just wait if. It, you get past Texas Tech on Saturday, then you turn around and guess who he gets to play against? Guess who he gets to play against? And you know, what kind of what kind of story would that be? You know, there's a he's playing against his old head coach, and even though we're talking special assistant to the head coach, he's he's designing that defense in a way to stop TCU. Make no mistake about it, GP is in a room by himself, yeah. breaking right down now. film, studying, bringing a game game plan. Right he's now. gonna be leading the defensive meetings that whole week when they play TCU. So a lot of fun stuff to talk about, man, with uh, Max right now. Well, I, I want to get to a few more things in the West Virginia game, but you kind of highlighted it. Comment on press availability. I've seen Max Duggan on ESPN more being interviewed. I've seen Sonny Dykes on ESPN more being interviewed than any time in the last five years of the head coach or the starting quarterback. Kenny Hill was never on ESPN when we you know when the Frogs were in the top five. Gary Patterson was not taking time to be on there with Matt Barry or anybody else. What is the shift of press availability, and and why do you think that's a wise move? I think it's a wise move, but I'd love to hear why you think it's a wise move. I mean, people this day and age, they want content. They want to read about their teams. They want to read about uh, certain players. They want to hear from certain players. They, you know, when I first started doing videos and I got the response of, hey, would you guys like me to do this, typing it out, or would you like video? And number one, video is easy for me because I can get it out faster to you guys. Yep. Number two, I think video gives a genuine and wholesome uh, visual of the players or coaches that we're talking with. It lets people speak in their own words and their exactly. own language and inflection. But some of these, some of these, when you when you write a story about them, you don't get to see their character. You don't get to see the personality that you get to see on on videos and stuff like that. But I, you know, Sonny has always had, um, you know, when he first came over, had some SMU buddies text me, and the guys that covered them, they're like, "Man, you're gonna love the access Sonny gives you guys." He, he's very open to the media. Um, practice is open, except practice will not be open the week of Texas, just to let you guys know. So it will not be open to media, former players, or fans. So write that down. Write it down on your post-it note right now. The week of Texas, no practice. Um, but, yeah, Sonny, he just gets it, man. I've said it a hundred times. He just gets it. He understands the landscape of today's – uh, college football. He understands the landscape of just news and content and trying to get a fan base excited about their program. And man, how great is it? You get a, you get a spring camp where you get daily updates from their practices. You get to learn about 
where guys are fitting in, what guys are rising up, what guys are kind of needing to step up. And then fall camp, you kind of get some of the same stuff. But you're hearing from different players. You're hearing from redshirt seniors. You're hearing from true freshmen. You're hearing from a Dominic Williams who was 17 years old. 17 years old for the Colorado game. Yeah, we we started we started interviewing that kid when he and, and that never would have happened uh, before. And you get to talk to not only the offensive or defensive coordinators, you get to talk to the rest of the uh, assistant coaches. You get to talk to the position coaches, and and that's something that. I think is is just going to keep driving the fan base more and more to like TCU. They've done a a really phenomenal job with their social media, the the videos they put out each week, the the photos, um, Carter boys. I mean, oh my gosh! I mean, that's I mean, who would have ever dreamed of that kind of access as a TCU fan? That that is just incredible. So um, again, he just he just gets it. Sonny Dykes just gets this this uh, landscape of. Uh, the world we live in, man, that's that's what it's all about. That's right. That's right. Well, let me take you a couple things. We we have a pass at the end of the game where, where the Frogs actually not only win but cover because we all know good teams win and great teams cover. But it was kind of a metaphor for the whole game. You know, Tay Barber went for four catches for 99 yards. Savion Williams, three catches for 97. QJ's four for 76. Darius Davis, three for 60. You know, the, the Frogs obviously, you know, in the last game, it seemed as if they, they didn't spread the ball around as much as they needed to in, in the last couple of games. But we see that we have a variety of, of, of receivers catching multiple passes going, for, you know, two of them were a combined four yards away from 100 yards each. Let's go back to that last touchdown. Uh, there's a timeout. The Frogs come out. And from what I understand from the postgame press conference, the goal was to try to draw them off sides, and, and if they didn't, call timeout. But Max gets a guy off sides, and he snaps the ball, and he throws it deep to Sabian Williams, and the Frogs score a touchdown in order to extend that out to a 10-point win. Is what, what, what did Sonny summarize there at the end of the game, and what was your observation of Max's smarts there? Because these are the kind of things that NFL, coach, NFL scouts should be picking up on, on how smart, is, how smart Max is when the game is on the line. Yeah, he's smart because he's throwing up to a six foot five receiver. I mean, yeah. you're you're making it you're making an easy play, and that's just that's just something that he obviously understood that they were off sides, and I don't think it had anything to do with uh, making sure they cover the spread or anything. It's just you don't think they're it, trying to cover the spread. Uh, <laughs> I don't think so either. I just thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> Yeah, they lost. They they either won or lost some people some money with that last play. But mm-hmm. you know, again, it's 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 just the different mentality because you know I think before Max probably goes into that, and if that ball gets batted down or whatever, Gary's going to get even though it's a free play. You know, you probably get a shot of Gary angry face on the sideline with that. But that's I just had the ball. Yeah, quit. But they they uh you know smart and again just throw it up to your six five receiver and it was it wasn't one of those games where you saw thirteen different guys catch a ball but you're seeing explosive plays you're seeing the the seventy one yarder by Tay Barber the, the mm. you know fifty five yarder from Quentin how long how far was it uh, I can't remember how far it was for Savion to catch his long pass where he got tripped up by the turf monster um, then you have. Kendra with the 51 yard t- touchdown and Amani 30 yards. So I think, uh, you know, it's just another one of those explosive plays that last play to Savion and throw it up and see what happens. Yeah. Well, we got, I got two more things I want to talk about from the, from the West Virginia game. And then we're going to pivot. We're going to talk a little bit about tech, talk a little bit around the big 12, and then we're going to talk about recruiting. Um, what was your take on the, Punt, fumble, kick, catch, interference, penalty, <laughs> penalty, not overturned, review. I mean, like, I've watched this like eight times, and I'm yeah. not going to lie. You know, I used to officiate high school football. I think I have a basic grasp of the game. Count me as confused. What was your assessment of that situation? It was very confusing, and I don't know Good. if people I'm glad saw I'm not it. the only one. Yeah. I mean, it, when I first saw the play, I didn't even think about Darius. Okay, I looked mm-hmm. at Noah, and I was thinking, 
what in the heck is Noah doing? And I posted immediately, and I don't know if anyone saw it. Hopefully they don't call this West Virginia getting blocked into TCU because at that point they're going to they're gonna wave the flag for kick-catch interference, and Noah touched the ball, and they're gonna, West Virginia is going to get the ball. And that's exactly what happened. No matter what angle we see or what we believe, this is Big 12 refs. We know they're going to screw up a call. We we just know it. And sure enough, they waved the flag, and I knew immediately it was West Virginia's ball. Number one, I applaud Darius for trying to stay in there and, and catch that ball, and I applaud the guys trying to block for him. But it, you can see – Every other punt return after that game, did you ever see another blocker in the picture? Nope. Not at all. Because Not they said, all. get the heck away. That And this is what I posted. People are like, why are y'all blaming Noah, this and that? It's punt return 101, okay? If you think the ball hit the player, try to get the ball. I don't think Noah was pushed in the back. I think he just I, – I, I don't know what happened there. People want to defend Noah, that's fine. That's Me – I'm like, get the heck away from the ball, get get as far away as you can, and don't don't make it look like you've touched the ball. So if if he felt if he felt like if he felt like the ball did touch Darius, it did not look like he was trying to cover up that ball. To me, it looked like he was trying to just touch it, which was just kind of crazy. It looked like he he just downed it. Now I'll have to go back and watch it because I haven't gone back and watched this play and dissected as many times as others have but when I'm watching it real time and I'm seeing it happen like that it just looked like Noah didn't make a smart play there um, the refs obviously got it wrong with the blocking but that's what happens in college football but don't set yourself up to have that possibly happen to you don't don't let it happen that way so that's my thoughts on it I think the the refs got it wrong as far as the blocking, but they Noah shouldn't have been in that position to let them have the ball. And I'm validated by that opinion based off what we saw the rest of the night or rest yeah. of the day on their punt returns because there wasn't a soul around Darius Davis the rest of the time. No. And one no. time he just one time a high punt just just like the other. I said, if this is another high punt, I hope Darius just stays away. And he did. He just stayed away from it. He did late in the game where they weren't trying to make mistakes. They got better. They got smarter. I wouldn't say they got better. They got smarter with the punt return special teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a better way to put it. All right, one more question from this game. I got a dear friend of mine. Don't judge him. He's an Alabama fan, but he watches TCU because you know I keep up with Bama and he keeps up with TCU. And he texted me about 10 minutes into the game and said, Jeff, honest to goodness, I didn't even know JT Daniels was still playing college football. I thought he quit after his year at Alabama, at Georgia where he won a national title, got the ring. What, what's your assessment of JT Daniels? Because that, that poor kid has bounced around. He enrolled out of high school a year early. He yeah. gets the starting job at USC. He loses it, transfers to Georgia, loses it to Stetson Bennett who is like the walking poster boy of the coach's kid that is a gym rat that shows up early and is like a second coach on the field, transfers up to West Virginia, gets a starting job. He didn't look half bad. Uh, what, what's your take on, on uh, JT Daniels? Yeah, he's he's kind of hit or miss. Um, I he's thought he played. He's a statue in the pocket. Yes. I, I think he made some good throws against TCU. Um, I think he's talented. And this is a guy that TCU actually – was talking with out of the transfer portal. I, know, I remember bit. that. And I, and I was told straight up, this is this is the word I was given. He wasn't a fit for our program. Yeah. So I don't know what type of person he is, like off the field. I haven't heard any bad things. All I was told was he's not a good fit for our program. So, I think they looked um, at his feet. Maybe. And, you know, he's – to be honest, I was hoping that he would not get hurt because I was – not want to see Garrett Green come in there and play quarterback for West Virginia. He's the guy that gave a little bit of those swing passes to number mm-hmm. six, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's extremely fast and he can throw. And he's a guy that TCU recruited pretty heavily out of Florida. And 
I think this is one of those deals where Daniels told Neil Brown, hey, if I'm coming, I'm starting. Because I honestly think Garrett Green's the better quarterback up there. Um, but unfortunately, he's not he's not getting that chance. But yeah, I think I think Daniels is he's not the re he's not the reason that they're three and five, but he's kind of the reason they're three and five. You know what I mean? He's yeah, he's not he's not really bad and he's not really good. No. He's not really bad and he's not really good. All right, let's let's take a jump here. I got a couple of things I want to go over. Um Texas Tech got beat by Baylor 45 to 17. At what are home. we gonna see at home? You know, I was told that the Big 12 title runs through Lubbock. I'm 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 not sure that's exactly accurate anymore. But uh, what are we going to see this weekend from the Texas Tech Red Raiders? You know, when they fill the stadium with 70% of their fans at Eamon G. Carter, you know, we'll probably only have about 10% of the stadium that will be wearing purple. What what are we going to see from Texas Tech this weekend? What are the Frogs anticipating? I think this is their Super Bowl. I really do. Not Texas? I think – no, 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 no. This this is Texas, Texas Tech's Super Bowl. No, I agree. Yeah. You know, I thought they already had their Super Bowl when they beat Texas. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, maybe. But, no, this is this is their Super Bowl because guess what? Joey McGuire and Sonny Dyke started at the same time. There was this big recruiting push for Texas Tech. TCU won some battles. This is going to be a, a big game for recruiting. And Sonny but, turned down the Tech job to wait on TCU. Yeah. Remember right. Yeah. So – there's there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of uh, emotion for Texas Tech. There's nothing more than that that they want to do than come down to Fort Worth and ruin TCU season. I mean, the the scripts are already written for them. They they already know exactly what they're gonna say if they win that game. But they are such a they are such a weird team. You know, you beat a team like Texas, mm-hmm. and then you beat a team like West Virginia 48-10 and then you turn around and lose at home a blackout game. Patrick Mahomes is there getting inducted into their ring of honor. Then you go the out night and game in Lubbock. Yeah. Weird things happen in Lubbock, man. Hey, Michael Crabtree is not walking through that door. <laughs> well, Mike Leach is not walking through that door. Graham Harrell is not walking through that door. I tell you what, Baylor did. They made Baron Morton look human at quarterback because Baron Morton had played really well the last few weeks, but he was. They got in his face and they ran the ball. Yes. Yeah. And Garrett that's Riley, the thing. Please listen to the broadcast and must cite Jeff Mitchell. Get in the quarterback's face and run the ball. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna. TCU's gonna have success running the football against Texas Tech. There's, there's no doubt in in my mind with that happening. Um, but the. They're going to have to play better defensively. This is a team where Texas Tech's offense is pretty good. You know, Baylor showed otherwise on Saturday, but I just the it, it's a weird game. And you know, Texas Tech's always that weird game. Texas Tech, no matter how bad they are, every single year they beat someone they're not supposed to. Yep, every year. And maybe that was Texas this year. Maybe they've already got that win out of the way. Mm-hmm. But every stinking year, they beat a team they're not supposed to. They don't have any business beating, and somehow or another, they win. And I don't think it's going to be the Saturday. And I really think it was up in Lubbock against Texas. But mm-hmm. it's still going to be a weird game. It's still going to be closer. Uh, it's going to it's going to keep us on the edge of our seats like it has the last three weeks uh, with with TCU. Uh, making stops on defense. Everyone's going to get scared if we don't score, if, if we don't see them score every offensive series. So it, it's it's going to be a fun game. I'm glad I'm glad it's early because I know the TCU players like to play early. They get up at 5 a.m. Coach Cause has them mm-hmm. waking up early and uh, getting them ready to rock and roll. Yeah, get, getting all that food in your body and, and getting ready to roll. So – how how ironic is it that the only game that has been, you know, that we've just kind of dominated and controlled the entire season is Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the craziest thing I could think of. That is the craziest thing I can think of. Yeah, I'm going to be interested in what we see from Tech. I think if we, you know, I thought the same thing with JT Daniels. 
sin more than three, get in his face, make him uncomfortable early, and let our offense do what it does, which is score over 40 points. And it, it didn't quite exactly work out it, as I wanted it to in West Virginia, even though Frogs covered, won by double digits. Um, it was not as I, idyllic a, a victory as I would thought it could be. I'm really, I think this is going to be a blowout or a dogfight. I don't think there's any middle ground. The Frogs do not win by 10. They win by 21, or they win by 3, or they lose by 3. So I, I think this is going to be a dogfight against Tech. Yeah, they've got some players. I mean, they, they do have some athletes. Baron Morton can actually run. He's not a statue yeah. back there like JT Daniels was. He he can make plays with his feet. They got some good running backs, got some good receivers. But where where TCU's gonna make their hay is on offense. They they've got to take advantage of that defense. And that's one thing Texas Tech has done all year long. They've given up big plays, they've given up a lot of points. And on the flip side, TCU has got to eliminate the big plays for Texas Tech. They can't let them hang around this game. No. no. The good thing is, though, I, I do – for the first time, and I can't tell you how long, I think playing at home matters now. I don't think I've ever been able to say that for TCU. Mm. I think – That student section is a student yeah, section. Yeah, I mean, I really I really think playing at home helps them now. And I think if even if you ask those guys that – I mean, obviously you're going to have bigger crowds because they're winning. And they mm-hmm. – and, and, what most of those people have seen the last four years is not a winning program. But even when it was 2017 or 2014, I know there was a lot of uh, support, but I just can't remember this type of support right now. And they really and truly do have a home atmosphere. That game against Oklahoma State was loud. The, the fans all said the same. The, the, the players said the same thing about the fans, that it really helped them. They said the same thing about the Kansas State game. It really helped them. So I, I really think this home atmosphere, again, Texas Tech's going to come down there. They're going to post on their message boards, hey, we had 50% or we had 90% fans, whatever. You're going to hear the stupid Raider power chant all through the stadium. Raider. Yeah, you're going to hear oh. you're going to hear that, but hopefully TCU fans are able to drown them out. Oh. With <laughs> you're, oh. you're annoying me. Stop. <laughs> you're going to hear the hey. – you're gonna hear you know the you know you know the only time I've heard Raider Power silence. Eighty two twenty seven. Eighty two twenty seven. I guess it's two. Eighty two twenty seven. And this is because we're olds. You know, you and I we're olds. Uh, I'm going to go back to two thousand six when Marvin White committed multiple felonies that were actually legal on one play. Oh yeah. That was the greatest clean hit I have ever seen with my own eyes in my entire life. That was a great one. I was that, hoping that, you that weren't is... going to say when Marvin Gold, uh, Godbolt turned around to the camera and said, they ain't scoring on us today when TCU was up 21 nothing." No, up I, <laughs> I had the burden of being in that game. I still see I think, that. Oh. I still see you that. Know, didn't day. that game start at 10 a.m. in Lubbock? I, it was an early game. It all out yeah, in there. I don't, TCU think it was 11. Out. I don't know. I think it was 10. Oh, that game was so early. The Frogs were up 21 nothing, And what was the final score? 70-35? 70-35 with Sonny Cumbie playing quarterback. Sonny Cumbie quarterback. I know. 82-27 is better. Hey, Patrick yes, Mahomes he, played late in that game. I know he did. I know he did. One of my my brother, I think it was, when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, said, um, backup quarterback who lost to TCU 82-27 finally wins court, uh, Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, I got one more question for you on the Big 12. True or false, every team in the Big 12 would be at least 7-5 and five in the ACC or the Pac-12? False. False? They would be way better than 7-5. and five. Oh, bringing the smoke, Jeremy Clark. So Iowa State, who is the worst team in the Big 12, they would, they would be they better would than 7-5. They would win at least seven games. In the ACC, yes, anymore. I agree. Yeah, I agree. This this conference this year, the SEC and the Big Twelve are the top two conferences. Okay, I completely agree. Top but, to bottom. But here's what here's agree. what the Big Twelve doesn't have that the SEC has. SEC has. They don't have a Vanderbilt. They don't have no. They, they don't have that type of team anymore where you can just look at it and say, oh, that's a that's an easy win. Um, South Carolina, I mean, Missouri. Yeah, I mean, look look at this. 
the way the, the each week has gone out and just who would have thought that Kansas State would have won forty eight nothing over Oklahoma State? That was insane. Can't believe that. But turn around. They beat them like a red-headed stepchild. And, and I mean, even even the uh, even the as bad as West Virginia has been this year, they they play TCU extremely tough. There's there's a lot of parity in this in this league, and you, you really can't predict how each week's going to unfold. I mean, you can't. And I mean, no. I wouldn't be shocked at all if Texas goes up to Manhattan and beats Kansas State next week because that's the way the Big Twelve's no. gone. And we're sitting Not here talking about Texas Tech, how, you know, they, they already have a history of winning games they shouldn't. But the way the Big 12 has been this year, I would not be surprised if we walk out of that stadium on Saturday and the final score says 38-35. You know, that's know. that's how it is. But it's it's a, it's a conference of, of parity. The, every team has a lot of great athletes. Uh Oklahoma beat Iowa State more than I thought they would be. I think Iowa State, if you if you look at anything, and I'll probably um, knock on wood. I'm knocking on wood right now because I don't want to jinx the frogs. Iowa State's Raider really Brown. the only team on the, the the schedule that I'm looking at that is not the same team that they were a year ago. They they've they've got issues. They've got offensive they issues. They've got some defensive holes. That's the only Their team. Their is weak. Yeah, in my opinion. So, but yeah, and, and the Pac-12, for real, I'll guarantee a fifth-place team right now could walk into UCLA or Oregon or USC out of the Big 12 and give them a run for their money. And beat them. I agree. And beat them. I agree. You know, and then even a team in the bottom third of the conference, like, say, I don't know, Oklahoma, they could beat them. Yeah. They could give them a run for their money. You know, a, 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 lowly, a lowly team like Oklahoma – they could definitely cause problems for teams <laughs> in the bottom in the top third of the Big Twelve, uh, the uh, the Pac twelve. So. You trying to get some? You're trying to get some hate from Sooner fans, dude. If you're 47 minutes into this podcast and you're a Sooner fan, I love you. That's all I have to say. <laughs> right, let's talk a little recruiting, Jeremy. Uh, we're recording this on a Sunday night. What, is there anything that might be breaking in the next, uh, say, 48 I'm hours? Hearing, I'm hearing there could be good news on Monday. Which, if you're listening okay. on the way to work, that would be later today. Um, I feel really good about a few guys. I still feel really good about Harrison Pilot. I feel really good mm. about Marcus Steele. I keep telling y'all. I feel good about Marcus Steele. Yeah, I keep telling y'all, even Marcus Steele. He's, he's getting recruited hard by Georgia. That's their biggest competition right now. But that's the thing. Marcus is really close with his family. He loves TCU, loves the distance from home. And he's been over there multiple times. He's built a great relationship with the staff. I, I've i felt good about him for a very long time, very long time. Mm-hmm. I feel really good about Warren Robertson from Red Oak. Uh, I think if he looks at the uh, depth chart, he has a possibility to come in and contribute right away. As a freshman, you feel really good about him in say the next forty-eight hours. I mean, I feel good about a lot of kids in the next forty-eight hours. I feel good about the guys commuted, the Fontenet kid and CJ Blocker that are both committed to Utah. I feel really good about them. I feel really good about the Canada kid, the Tyler JC uh, cornerback that they're recruiting. You know, I feel good about Trey Wilson out of Lakeview Centennial. He's visited campus. Mm So there's there's been a lot of kids that, and I did a story on it last week that have got TCU back in the picture. And there's some guys out there that, and I won't list them here, but there's guys that have reached back out that TCU's just not going to recruit. They're not going to, you know, they had their opportunity to commit, and that's what's funny about this whole thing is because I kept getting told early on that a lot of recruits are going to wait to see what TCU does. You know, how, how are they going to, how are they going to play this year? And a lot of kids were smart, man. They decided, Hey, I love the coaches. I love TCU. I'm going to go ahead and commit. And these kids now that are seeing TCU that even when they, when they beat Oklahoma, that was kind of the first raising of the eyebrows. Like, Oh man, TCU, TCU is real. And now here we sit a month later, there's they're eight. No, they're number seven in the nation. They've, they're on the verge of a top 25 class. They will be top 25 here by the end of the week. But mm-hmm. I, 
I think that uh, there's going to be a lot of kids that are going to want to commit to TCU and there's no limit. People keep asking. I, and, and I was told this last week that they could take, there's no more 25 limits. So they could take as many oh. as they could take as long as they have spots available. Now they're not going to be able yeah. to go out and take 40 kids if they don't have scholarships available. It still goes by the 85 limit. So there's probably going to be some attrition. There is every year um, with kids leaving the program and, and maybe wanting to play somewhere else. But I think it's going to be a successful into the recruiting cycle. I think it's going to be a really successful um, point for them from the transfer portal. I think you're going to have a lot of kids that aren't getting playing time somewhere else, or maybe just want to come back home. And do you think there's any kids in say, I don't know, college station that may be interested in making Fort Worth? <laughs> I, I would not, I would not be surprised if those kids hit the portal that at least, Two or three of them reach out to TCU. I'm not naming names, and that's not the and, and, and I and I feel and I feel like that with a lot of I feel like that that way with a lot of local kids. There's, you know, there you, you would be surprised how many calls I've taken and and the stuff I can't post on the board. Um, but you can say on the podcast. So go ahead. No, I can't say it on the podcast either. <laughs> but you would be surprised how many calls I've, I've taken and said, man, I've, I've heard this kid doesn't like it at X university and he may, he may be leaving and they're local kids, they're local kids. And man, if there's, I don't even want to hop you guys up so much, but I, I think it could be a successful transfer uh, portal for TCU. I do too. For sure. Yeah. I've, I've heard not everything you've heard, but I've heard a few things and I've heard enough you know, for my expectations to basically put a hole in my roof. So, <laughs> all right, let's close with this final question. The first college football playoff ranking comes out this Tuesday. Where do you think the frogs are going to be? Uh, I think they will be seven. I think they will be right there where the AP and coaches poll has, has them. Um, that's just me being realistic. Now, if I was, to go based off where I would, where I feel like they should be, I would say either five or six. Yeah, I think they're going to be. I, really I think six is the lowest that they will be. I think they could be either five or six. I think they will be ahead of Alabama, and I think they could be ahead of Clemson. And if they're not ahead of Clemson, I think Clemson's going to lose to Notre Dame this week. How's that for man? There's, it's working out. TC, you hear this all the time, controlling your own destiny. Mm-hmm. But they they truly do, man. They really, really do. Because there's going to be some teams knocking off each other. Mm-hmm. And if Kansas State, you know, I was I was hoping for Oklahoma State to win that game because I I wanted to see TCU win out, and then Oklahoma State win out because if TCU wins that game in the Big Twelve Championship, how in the heck do you keep them out being undefeated and beating another, you know, top seven team. You know what I mean? So I hopefully Kansas State continues to roll. If you're a TCU fan, you better be rooting for them every week. Yeah, we're pulling for them um, against Texas because, this week. Yeah. Yeah. So that I think they're up to number 13, mm-hmm. Kansas State is. So keep rooting for the Wildcats to keep climbing the ladder and getting to that top 10 and keep hoping for TCU to win because – that's what it's going to take. It's going to take them to to beat another top ten opponent, I think, and and to remain undefeated. I, unfortunately, one loss is going to knock them out. I don't, especially if it's to someone like an unranked team like Texas Tech or or Iowa State. Iowa State. Yeah. yeah, I think I think they could possibly. I think I don't think they're out with one loss. I don't. I don't think they're lost but out with one loss, but I, they're obviously in with being undefeated. So. So, you know, that's the real question. Would you rather play Kansas State or Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game? Well, because it looked to be honest with you. Yeah. I think the Kansas State win was more I, – I, I like that win more. I did too. Just because, just because they came down for more. Yeah. And they completely shut down. And, and I don't care – who you argue with? Will Howard is better for that offense. Adrian, I almost said Taylor again, but I didn't. Yeah. Adrian Martinez is a great running quarterback, but he's not completely healthy right now. No, 
Will Howard has done really good. He almost broke the school record for single game put, uh, touchdown, or did he? Last I left, he had four touchdown passes, and he needed one more to break the record mm-hmm. uh, for touchdown passes in a single game. But he's – I mean, that that team right there is really sound on defense. You got Kurt Warner's son that's becoming a weapon. Malik Knowles had a really good game against Oklahoma State. I But I feel better – about TCU beating them because they came back from 18 points and completely dominated that game in the second half. Um, They made adjustments. Deuce Vaughn's dangerous, but Spencer Sanders and that receiver core for Oklahoma State, now the run game's not as big as Kansas State. Dominic Richardson, we all love the kid, but he's not Deuce Vaughn. No, he's not. Um, But – I don't know. That's a tough question. I have to give me a few games to analyze this because if you want me to pick the team that's the easiest to get the win over, it's kind of hard right now because I'm still I'm looking at the box score and seeing Oklahoma State loss loses forty eight nothing, and it's like, man, I hope Oklahoma State doesn't let this affect the rest of their season. That's just because they're still a good team. That's just an absolute absolute spanking. All right, well, let's, well, let's go ahead. I'm just, it, it, people are arguing now which team's better, to TCU or Kansas State, even though TCU beat them. I would say it's it's TCU because, one, they beat them, and, two, they didn't leave, lose uh, to an AAC team. Is that AAC team still top 25? Tulane is a still, still a top 25, yes. They are. You know what team has surprised me this year? UCF? Nope. Who? It's a Power 5 team. And I don't know when the last time I ever saw this team in the top 25, let alone talk about them, but it's from a familiar face. I'll give you two guesses. All right. Power five team. Power five team. I think, I think they're seven and one right now, and they're in the top 25. That's got to be North Carolina and the fighting Mac Brown. No. Nope. Nope. No? Okay. And mm. not a, it's, it's a familiar face, but we didn't see him a whole lot. But what he's done at this program is pretty tremendous. Lane Kiffin at the fighting old Miss at Old Miss. No. All right. No. Who you got? Illinois. Yes. With Burt. Burt Bellini. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Let's give seen... it up for the fighting Illini in Burt yeah. Bellini. Good for him, man. He went he left Wisconsin, went to Arkansas, Arkansas and yep. fell flat on his face and got out of coaching. And he did didn't he do one of those Playoff games with GP one year or something? Yes, he did. He did a playoff game with GP. And you know what? I think they are basically a shoe-in for the Big Ten West Championship at 7-1. They still have to play Michigan. And, man, what what if Burt beats Michigan? I'm telling you, it's amazing what he's done up there. 7-1. There was no more of a dormant wasteland of a program than the uh, fight in Illini. Bert's got him going. Bert's yeah. got him going. Maybe we end up in a play. What if what if Illinois wins the Big Ten and we get a TCU Illinois matchup in the playoffs where Bert Bellinia is trying to get some um some some revenge against TCU? That would be <laughs> fascinating. That would be awesome. That would be fascinating. I'd be there to see it. I would I would too, man. I would too. All right, on the way out here, give me your prediction. TCU against the Texas Tech. What do you got? 82-27. I think the Frogs are going to roll on offense. I, I think Max continues to have a good game. Kendra is going to have a good game. Quentin's going to have a good game. I think they're going to put up points, but I, thought, I think they're also going to give up some points. So I'm going to go I'm going to go TCU 44, Texas Tech 34. I'm going to go TCU 55, Texas Tech 31. Pretty close to last year. Yep, pretty close to last year. I think Max is going to run wild. Well, you know, Max had, uh, when he was a sophomore? Wait, this is 2022. Yeah, so they played here. We had the COVID year when he was a sophomore. They won last year 52-31. Yeah, he was his freshman year up in Lubbock. He threw for like a career high 370 against. Yes. That's Tech or 345. That was his career game. Yep. As a freshman. Mm-hmm. So he's had success against that secondary. Mm-hmm. Yes, he has. 
And Kendra Miller last year, if you remember, rushed for basically 175 yards and one half of action because Zach Evans started doing the head tap. Yes, that's right. I remember that. And everyone was like, why is Kendra Miller in there? Why is Kendra Miller in there? Where's Zach Evans? He was getting ready for the transfer portal. That's right, Jeff. That's right. We just we couldn't say anything at that time. No, we couldn't. We couldn't. Because he doesn't want to ball out. <laughs> All right, on that note, hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Frogcast. Give us a rating and review on your podcasting app of choice. We would really appreciate it. And as always, if you haven't yet, go to um, 24, go to uh, hornfrogblitz.com, TCU 24-7. We would love for you to subscribe. Everything you want to know about recruiting, it's a big week and probably a big month in recruiting as we're already, brace yourself, sprinting towards early signing day. We would love for you to join our community online of um, hardcore addicts of TCU football. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Frogcast. Until we get together again, for Daniel Southern, for Jeremy Clark, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Frogcast.